there are some people that are naturally resilient, but I think for a lot of us, we've had to learn the skills along the way. But I think really the bottom line is that resilience doesn't just happen. We have to invest in it. It's like building a reserve. Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard, and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast, like the CSRHA, brings together leaders in rural healthcare with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what is happening across today's rural health ecosystem. Each week, You'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry. Now we're going to hear from our first keynote speaker. Please let's welcome Dr. Kevin Norse. Kevin is a research-based leadership expert and executive coach with over 20 years of experience developing resilient change leaders in healthcare and pharmaceutical organizations. Kevin is the founder of Norse Leadership Strategies, a coaching and leadership development firm based in Southern California. Prior to launching his practice, Kevin was a human resource director and change consultant with PricewaterhouseCoopers Consulting. He completed his PhD in 2009 and studied resilience among managers in New Orleans that experienced Hurricane Katrina. So please, let's welcome Dr. Kevin Norse. I'm so pleased to have the chance to, to, to speak with you. I've been, been doing a lot of healthcare in the last few years. Um, and as I've learned about the, the Rural Healthcare Association, it, you know, it just really underscores just how the importance of what you all do. And, and the topic is really, really relevant, not just for you all, certainly everybody in healthcare, but I know that you all face some unique challenges in terms of the and rural health. So um, I wanted to have a conversation with you to set the stage for the day and the rest of the conference as it relates to this idea of resilience um, and this whole idea of what does it mean to go from surviving to thriving. So let me just share my uh, slide deck. Um, I wanted to start off just a little bit about why this topic, why I care so deeply about this topic. I've had a number of experiences over my life that really set the trajectory for me to study this and do work with it. More specifically, um, early on I did, after my mom died of cancer, I threw myself into the hospice movement. So I worked with about 10 different uh, dying patients and their families. And I was really struck that a number of the patients I worked with really continued to uh, grow and learn and really thrive. They were incredibly resilient all the way up to the end of their lives. And so I was really curious just from a research perspective, which was really, what, what is that? What causes people, despite faced with some pretty uh, uh, terrifying you know, results, like what is that? And that led me ultimately then to um, study resilience in uh, Hurricane Katrina um, in New Orleans. I heard some pretty harrowing stories about what folks in hospitals they're faced in terms of navigating the uh, storm, the floods, and the recovery. Um, after 9-11, another aspect, I worked with uh, a number of probably several uh, dozen people that had lost their jobs after the, um, after the terrorist attacks. And it was interesting, again, to notice that some of the people that I coached in terms of career transition, once they got perspective on it, were able to really thrive. They, maybe they realized that they didn't really like what the work that they were doing anyway, and this was a tremendous opportunity so again, an, a curious place to, to try to figure out what is it about some people that the way they face adversity, they're able to reframe it. And that all fits into the concept of resilience. 
in, in my own life, you know, I had, I've had the chance to, to I do a lot of uh, adventure-based learning. Um, and years ago, I learned to fly trapeze. So I've been flying trapeze uh, for about 15 years and studying with some circus flyers. Um, and the whole experience of trapeze has taught me a lot about uh, failure and falling and learning and resilience. I find that trapeze flyers tend to be pretty resilient people when it comes to setbacks. So I wanted to start off today just using the metaphor of the lighthouse. I love this image because to me this really symbolizes or emblematic of what it means to be resilient and really thrive, that despite the waves crashing at the base of the, the uh, lighthouse, you know, it's got a firm base. And we're going to talk about that in terms of what does it mean for you as leaders in terms of your base, that despite the storm, you stand tall. The other part of it is, you know, as far as I can tell, there's a whole lot of hurt and a whole lot of pain going on in this world. And I think what I love about the lighthouse metaphor is the beacon that what I find is that resilient people are able to kind of like shine their light and and bring light to people that are faced with darkness, loss, and grief. And more than ever, we need people, particularly in healthcare, to be able to shine their light and really light the way in terms of um, what the future holds. So I wanted to start off with really what I consider the bottom line, and this kind of sets the stage for our presentation, but a couple things to point out. There are a lot of aspects of resilience um, certainly, they go into building resilient organizations, the structures, the processes, the tools, whatever. I'm here to focus on the people, on you. What is it about resilience, and, and how do you grow it? How do you become resilient? Try to demystify this a little bit. But a couple things to point out, that it really is a critical skill, and I'm finding that one of the things I've done as a coach is I've worked often with um, people that have, leaders that have derailed in their careers, and many times derailment happens because of leaders' inability to adapt to change and to to navigate setbacks. So it is a developable skill. There are some people that are naturally resilient, but I think for a lot of us, we've had to learn the skills along the way. But I think really the bottom line is that resilience doesn't just happen. We have to invest in it. It's like building a reserve. Um, So we're going to kind of um, unravel that a little bit in in the presentation today. Um, And it really boils down to what does it mean for you? And then what does it mean in terms of how you create resilient cultures? So I just wanted to kind of set the stage with some specific uh, points. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what resilience means. So there's a lot of different definitions, but I really like this one from the World Health Organization. So a couple things to point out. Um, in the research, there's been a big debate about is resilience a process or is it an end result? We could say that Scott's a resilient guy. But we could also say that Scott used a a process of coping with setbacks that helped him become resilient. As far as I'm concerned, it's a little bit about both. But really is how we prepare for, manage, and then recover from setbacks is really important, or what the WHO refers to as shocks. Um, And the other idea is that, um, you know, it's not necessarily just about bouncing back. So if you think about we're functioning, we hit the skids, we bounce back and, and perhaps come back to normal, uh, to, to stasis. But sometimes people actually grow from adversity. So the first question, I'd love to get some engagement with you all, is as you reflect on this idea of bouncing back versus thriving, what do you think as you reflect, reflect on your own experience? What's the difference? What is the secret sauce that comes, causes people to be transformed and grow from setbacks versus simply survive it? Um, feel free to type in the chat box and let's see what, what your experiences are. Again, what is that 
what is the quality or the attribute or the skill that people have that allows them to not only survive setbacks and adversity, but really thrive from it. So feel free to type in the chat box. We'd love to see what thoughts you have in terms of your experiences. Flexibility, thank you, Leslie. Big part of it, um, the ability to kind of flexibly you know, adapt, change plans. Regina points out an optimistic outlook on life. Learn from the challenges and adversities. And faith, Janet, that's a great perspective. I know in New Orleans, that was a big part of what helped people thrive in Katrina. <clears throat> faith leads to optimism, and optimism leads us to take action because we believe that our actions will produce a positive outcome. And as Bob points out, a sense of humility, knowing that you may not have the answers, it's a very humbling process. Um, Terry points out the sense of vision. And Kate, I love that. The, where is the lemonade in the lemons? How do we reframe um, setbacks into possibility? And exactly, so how it springs innovation, Michael. It's a great, a great perspective. Well, what's interesting is that um, many, many years ago, Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It was based on his experience in the concentration camps. He was a Swiss psychologist in church. All of his family was, was killed. He was in the camps. And one of the things he noticed is that um, despite the horrible, horrible conditions in the camps, um, he found that what helped him survive and actually thrive throughout that crisis, that uh, painful experience, was a sense he had a sense of vision. He could see himself lecturing to a group of psychology students after he was freed. And from that, he coined his, his uh, kind of specific brand of therapy called it logotherapy, which is finding meaning. Nine times out of 10, when we find meaning in our adversity, in other words, what am I learning from this? We tend to grow from it versus simply survive it. The idea is finding meaning in it is so hugely consequential and learning from it to the point where um, a hospital system I'm working with now, I've been doing um, group coaching sessions where I've asked healthcare leaders to reflect on the last six months and what have you learned? How have you changed from this experience? And I find it's, you know, in healthcare, the issue is you're in the midst of this crisis. You don't have time to process it, but people do need time to reflect on it, to gain some insight from it. So when the tiger stops chasing you so that you're not in the acute phase of this, to have a chance to reflect and look at where you've come and what you've learned from it to me is hugely consequential. Okay, so now that we've defined it, so it's really about using a variety of resources to rebound and hopefully grow from adversity. But we draw upon certain resources. We call these internal factors, such as our optimism, our sense of faith, our outlook on life. All of that, in essence, buffers us. We often don't know how resilient we are until we face adversity. And that becomes really um, an important part of it, which is that is when resilience is activated and when we know we have it or we don't. So I'd like to talk a little bit about just, I call it the resiliency journey. You know, in a typical um, scenario, and I saw this in Hurricane Katrina, people hit, you know, they're functioning um, kind of at a baseline. The storm happens, the recovery, they kind of come out of it, they recover or they grow from it. And that what's unique about the, as you all have experienced, is with the uh, COVID crisis, it's just a continual drip of, you know, bad news. You know, we get new news about the implications, the vaccine, all that. It's really the up and down over time. And so that's to me what makes it even more challenging is the fact that it wasn't just one thing that happened and we moved on. It is a continual and it will, it will continue in different forms. So here's what I've seen is that 
despite this COVID journey, leaders I've worked with who are resilient, um, the, the amount of time they spend down in this fear, this declining zone is shortened. And so in other words, resilient people have bad days too and get into their fear place. But the time they spend down there is minimal and the depth of the fear is minimal. So that becomes a really important part of it. You've got to be resilient to be able to thrive in crisis. And so resilient people are able to rebound to the way they were, but they're also skilled at making meaning of it and being transformed by it. I remember interviewing a research participant. This was a senior executive woman who'd lost her job unexpectedly. She was downsized. And I remember her saying, you know, Kevin, I decided that uh, losing my job after a very successful career was not going to define me as a leader, but it would be a defining point in my leadership trajectory, and that I was determined to grow from it. And every day in her kitchen, she made that commitment that she was going to grow from the setback and come back stronger than ever. And I think that's the challenge for all of us collectively. It's really the choice we make. What do we want this to mean for us? Is it the worst thing to happen to us or the best thing to happen? So let's talk a little bit about the realities of um, the COVID crisis. I call it navigating a VUCA world. Some of you may know that term. Um, VUCA came out of the uh, U.S. military um, back when the Soviet Union fell. And it, it really uh, was a dramatic shift for the military because what they had to do is figure out how do we plan um, for security in this world when we don't have that one big scary threat. And so the term VUCA is an acronym. It stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous. So taken together, it really describes so aptly what the COVID crisis represents for us, this pandemic. You think about volatility, how rapidly things change, especially early on, and it continues to change. So keeping abreast of the changes that are going on in terms of protocols and you know, the, the presence or the opportunity for the vaccine, all of that changes. Uncertainty, so the inability to predict. We don't know, and I've heard this from healthcare leaders, which is we can barely look to next week versus the end of the year. How do you plan? How do you adapt in that environment? Thirdly, the complexity, so the interrelated factors, and so political, you know, economic, we've got health issues, we've got all of these factors that swirl around and make it even more difficult to plan. And then the ambiguity, so we get incomplete information, or depending on what source you go to, you get a different story. And again, it adds to that complexity. And so really the challenges for leaders is how do we navigate in this VUCA world and I would contend that it really suggests the need to be quite resilient as a leader because we've got to be uh, adaptable. We've got to be flexible. Um, we've got to also innovate because, as you know, there is no cookbook, um, you know, management guide on how to deal with the global pandemic. What I'm seeing both in healthcare and other industries I work in, including retail, I've been working with a major league baseball team, I've been working with associations, is that it really calls forth the need to innovate. Um, I even, I've been doing work with the uh, federal courts. If you think about the federal court system, how do you have trials and how do you call jurors when in, in this context? And so they've had to adapt too. So it really becomes a, a leadership imperative, which is how do we both innovate? How do we sustain kind of our leadership presence and demonstrate that sense of calm? In other words, what it really calls forth the need for is I think each of, uh, you know, healthcare leaders need to become a, a, what I call chief hope officers, the CHO. If you as a leadership team don't have hope, 
Why on earth should your people have it? So it becomes really an important part of shaping your culture. So we've got really the compelling case for resilience in terms of why we need it. And yet, though it's important, there's some interesting data that's come out about, you know, a lot of Americans aren't terribly resilient. So Ohio State has done an awful lot of research. So 83% of Americans they polled felt they had high levels of mental and emotional resilience. But when they actually did some psychometric testing, only about half did. Another source of data here is the ADP Research Institute, the ADP company that does a lot with human resources. Um, and they looked at, um, they developed an instrument and they're doing um, kind of testing in organizations to look at building resilient cultures. What they found, which was really quite startling to me, is that 19% of U.S. workers were described as highly resilient and that the others were less so to the point of being somewhat vulnerable. So it's an interesting challenge, meaning that, again, we think that, you know, we're resilient, but are we really? It boils down to this idea that resilience starts with you as a leader. I think about um, the concept is that if, if you can't develop, it's basically the idea of um, on the, the airlines, when it's put your mask on first before you help others, that really is the essence of what it means to be resilient. It starts with you. Because then, that, then, then we look at your, say, your leadership team about how effective is your leadership team at sustaining it, then your organization and your community. Thank you for joining us today. That was an excerpt from this year's Rural Health Conference. Our annual conference brings together leaders in rural health care with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what's happening across today's rural health care ecosystem. The full conference, including video, it's available on demand on our website in our new member center. If you're not yet a CSRHA member, please consider joining today. Your contribution and support is greatly appreciated. You can join by going to our website, csrha.org. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. It helps us get the word out about the show and lets us pursue other projects like this in the future. Thank you again for joining us today.